With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to episode 9 of the UK True Crime Podcast. I'm Adam. Today we return for the second consecutive week to Wales, but this time we head to the north coast and the pretty seaside town of Prestatyn. Now, do you remember the 1980s band Aztec Camera? Roddy Frame and Jeremy Stacey from that band, they wrote most of their 1995 album Prestonia while staying in Prestatyn. Frame later blamed the overcast and grim weather conditions there for the album's rather melancholy and gloomy tone. Melanie Smith was born and raised in Prestatyn. When she was just 17, she married Paul Smith and over the next few years they had three children together. Almost immediately, Paul was very worried about how Melanie behaved towards her children. He felt that Melanie resented being tied down to having three young children when she could have been out having fun and she regularly mistreated them. She displayed no maternal instinct or proper affection as you'd expect from a new mother. Melanie had always liked to drink since he'd known her but it was becoming a larger part of Melanie's life and Paul was concerned that her drinking was starting to spiral out of control. As a couple they were arguing all the time and it was clear their relationship was rapidly deteriorating. The situation came to a head when he arrived home one day to find Melanie having sex with another man in their marital bed. Even more concerning than Melanie's infidelity was that she'd locked the children in another room. The two quickly divorced, and much to her ex-husband's disgust, Melanie managed to win custody of the children. Astonishingly, the very next day after winning custody, Melanie put her children into foster care. They were aged just three, two and nine months old. This does make you wonder why she'd even bothered to fight for custody, and it it rather suggests to me that it was more about winning the battle with her husband rather than actually wanting to care and look after her children. Paul immediately claimed custody of the children. He said, When I picked the kids up from the foster home that day, I vowed that Melanie would never hurt them again. None of us ever saw or spoke to her again. She never sent one birthday or Christmas card, and there's never been a single letter. In the short time that Melanie did spend with her children, she'd been immensely cruel. One of her daughters, Charlotte, described her as the mother from hell. She stubbed cigarettes out on her baby son's forehead. She hacked off her toddler daughter's blonde hair for making too much noise, scalded her with boiling water, and locked her in an understairs cupboard as punishment. Fast forward to 2012. Melanie Smith still lived in Prostatin and she was now 43. I think it's fair to say that life wasn't going quite as well as she had hoped. I think it's also fair to say that the beauty companies, they weren't queuing up asking her to endorse anti-aging products. Melanie had received counselling for obsessive tidiness. She was unemployed. She was alcohol dependent, admitting that she binged regularly and she was suffering depression, which she felt was due to the alcohol. She lived with her partner of seven years, warehouse worker Stephen Clarkson, and their relationship was volatile, involving some violence. 
Melanie was incredibly jealous of Stephen and she knew he'd already been unfaithful to her on at least four or five occasions that she knew of. Melanie had never been in any serious trouble with the police and she had no previous convictions, just the one caution. This was for stabbing Clarkson with a fork when she said he rubbed crisps into her hair and she thought he was going for her. Smith's drinking had got her into trouble in the town. Back in the summer of 2007, she was barred from the Victoria Hotel in Prestetin for being loud and argumentative. The following spring, in April 2008, Smith and boyfriend Clarkson were again refused service at the pub by the landlady. Smith's response to this was to angrily say she was going to torch this place to the ground before storming out in a temper. Clarkson's infidelity made Smith jealous and this was made even worse when she'd been drinking heavily. Smith was particularly jealous of another local lady, Samantha Schofield. The two were initially friends, as Smith and Clarkson were regular drinkers at Sam's partner's pub in Prostatin. Smith even became close with Sam's two young children, but Sam then moved away to Cambridge for a year, and when she returned to Prostatin in April 2012, she was single. This was when the issues really started around Smith's jealousy. In an interview with Wales Online, Sam tells how she was sitting with Clarkson and her family in a local pub when Smith came storming in and began raging. When she saw us together, she began to slap Steve in front of my eight-year-old son, says Sam. Mel accused me of being in a relationship with him. Steve just sat there. She launched herself at me, but I pushed her off and the bar staff helped drag her away. She was so angry. Later, she asked me again about us having an affair, but I promised her it wasn't true and said I just wouldn't do that to her. The growing problem in this threesome was Smith's boyfriend Clarkson. Although he wasn't having an affair with Sam, he certainly wanted to, and he started to turn up wherever Sam was. He openly told Sam that he fancied her, and he would beep his car horn at her when she was picking up her children from school. Hearing about this, Smith again approached Sam in the pub to ask about her relationship with Clarkson, and once more, Sam had to deny the affair. Smith didn't believe her, and her rows with Clarkson further intensified. Eventually, at the end of August 2012, the couple split, and Smith told Clarkson to leave her home. So Clarkson, he, he turned up at Sam's house, telling her that he was too old to go back to his parents, and anyway, that would have been embarrassing. Feeling sorry for him, Sam did let him stay for three nights. Sam says, we did share a bed, but we were fully clothed. I don't deny getting close to him, but it wasn't a relationship, and it certainly wasn't an affair. During this period, when Clarkson was staying with Sam, Smith visited her home late one night, and she tried to set fire to Sam's house, while Sam, Clarkson, and her two children were sound asleep in their beds. Sam describes what happened. She said, When I left the house the next day, I noticed a mound of unlit matches strewn around my front gate, and Stephen's car had also been trashed. The windscreen wipers were bent. There was, it looked like pink milkshake thrown at it, and there were matches strewn by my front gate and by his car. It was a chilling moment. It stopped me in my tracks, and from that moment on I knew I wasn't safe. When Clarkson saw it, he said, It's her. I told you she was capable of that. I told Clarkson to leave, as he put my kids in danger. He went back to Mel, and they were together again. 
Despite this incident, Sam chose not to report Smith to the police. A few days after the failed arson, Smith visited Sam's sister Amy, who she already knew. In a very candid conversation, Smith freely admitted she'd already tried to set fire to Sam's home, but she'd been too drunk to ignite the matches. Amy was horrified, as she would be, at her sister's close escape. However, the issue just wasn't over for Smith, and she threatened again that she was going to set fire to Sam's house, and this time she was going to make sure that she got it right. Amy desperately tried to plead with her, reminding her that there were children in the house, but Smith bluntly replied, I'm not finished with Sammy yet, and I can't make any promises. Over the next six weeks, Smith made numerous other threats of arson. One of her targets were her neighbours in the flat upstairs, 20-year-old Leanne Shears, who lived with her partner Liam Timbrell and their baby son Charlie. He was aged just 15 months. Leanna was 20 and Liam was just 23. Smith had allegedly rowed with Leanna over Charlie's pushchair being left in a communal hallway in the flat, as well as the couple making too much noise upstairs and being untidy. On September the 1st, Smith told Leanna's friend Stacy that she was going to, quote, make Leanna's life hell. On another occasion, Smith was ranting about Leanna being untidy and throwing cigarette butts and she shouted up at her, I'm going to set your house on fire with you and your kids in it. Just a few days later, Leanna's brother Michael called in to see his sister and she told him that when Smith was drunk, she'd made more threats to burn her house down, saying, I threatened to burn somebody else's house down and I will do the same to you. Leanna was clearly unnerved by these threats and on a family visit to Birmingham to see her grandma, Sylvia, Leanna told her about all the threats made by Smith. Her voice changed and she said, Nan, she's going to get me, said Sylvia. Sylvia called Leanna's mum, Joy, because she was concerned about what she'd heard and she said that her granddaughter had looked frightened as she was talking about Smith. On October the 13th, Smith was out drinking with Clarkson in the Vegas bar in nearby Rill. The couple, as usual, after a few drinks, they started to row and the manager heard Smith say in a raised voice, You're having an affair with the woman upstairs. I will burn her house down with her kids in it. Clarkson denied any affair with his neighbour, but Clarkson's infidelity, whether real or imagined, was having a really detrimental effect on Smith's health. And after this evening, she booked an appointment to see a psychiatric nurse because she was struggling to cope with her partner's betrayal. On the 18th of October, Smith told her friend Pamela Hanley that she was going to either torch or bomb her landlord's flat as he was harassing her for money and he was not going to get any more cash from her in rent. Pamela told her, that's stupid, there's a family upstairs. But Smith, she just shrugged her shoulders. She went on to say there was a voice inside her head saying, kill, kill, kill. The next day was Friday the 19th of October 2012. Smith went to Chantel's hair salon where hairdresser Sophie Griffiths noticed she smelled of alcohol and she was complaining about her flat. She moaned it was too small and she didn't like her neighbours or her landlord, adding, To be honest, I wish they'd burn it to the ground because the council would have to put me up then. And Smith laughed. She actually had ongoing issues with her landlord, Jay Liprot, who owned a number of properties in Prestatin and is also a fireman. 
Smith believed that she was a model tenant, but that he was a terrible landlord. One of her consistent moans was about her upstairs neighbour, who she said would often leave dirty nappies and old pieces of half-eaten fruit in the netting of the pram. Another time, Smith called her landlord, telling him to get to the flat to sort out a big argument between her and Leanna's friend. He said that Smith was drunk and he told her, this has got to stop, you're going to have to go. But Liprot then said that Mel told him she didn't want to live there anyway and so he served her with two months' notice to leave the property. While this was going on, that afternoon in the upstairs flat, Leanna, Liam and Charlie were joined by Leanna's brother Steve's children who were staying over for a sleepover that night. Steve dropped off his children at his sister's and he described their excitement at going to stay with their aunt, saying they loved it, they absolutely loved it when they stayed with their aunt. Later that day, Smith was visited by her landlord, who wanted to sort out the paperwork for her move. Smith had clearly been drinking, and she was really agitated. She began ranting aggressively about Leanna, calling her a scruffy, dirty bitch. Smith then went out drinking before returning home shortly before 9pm. She picked up a takeaway of three starters for herself, she ate that and then she went to bed where Clarkson was already sleeping. 50 minutes after Smith returned home at 9.50, a neighbour, Joe Shelley, was walking past Smith's flat on his way to meet friends when he saw flames and he heard a woman he later realised was Leanna desperately shouting, we can't get out. He opened the front door of the house and was surprised by how much fire there was. He said, I thought of going to try and help, but in the time I thought that, flames came towards the door and spiralled upwards. The flames made a massive whoosh sound as they came out of the front door. He rang 999 for the fire service and began to describe what he was seeing, saying, I don't think they'll be able to breathe much longer. After running home for a torch, he returned to the fire and he saw Liam inside the property, saying he could not get close to the window and had despite using a vacuum cleaner in a desperate attempt to get free, he was unable to break a window to escape. Liam was shouting, Oh my God, oh my God, are we going to die? Liam also made a harrowing call to the emergency services, in which he pleaded, Help, help, someone has put it on purpose, we're inside the flat. Meanwhile, from the downstairs flat, Clarkson was seen climbing out through the rear ground window, shouting, There's kids upstairs, get the kids. Smith was on the far side of the road with a blanket around her. Clarkson asked her how many children there were up there, to which she responded, How the hell do I know? She always has loads up there. Other witnesses reported that while the fire raged, Smith was sitting on the curb with a blanket covering her, talking to Clarkson about insurance and about her holidays. Firefighters arrived within six minutes of the call and the owner of the flat, Jay Liprot, was one of the first on the scene. Knowing the layout of the flat, Liprot went upstairs to desperately try and rescue his tenants. He found Liam first. They used a ladder and a small axe to break a window in the upstairs flat to rescue him, and Liprot was he was overcome by smoke and he had to be rescued by colleagues. Liana was found in a loft bedroom where the ceiling was coming down. The three children were later found, and they were all brought outside to a waiting ambulance. Before she was brought out, Leanna made a desperate call to her dad, Peter, who lived only a minute down the road, telling her, Dad, there's a fire downstairs. I can't get out. 
he and his distraught wife drove to the house to find the front porch door blazing in flames. At 10 past 10pm, Leanna's dad Peter called his son Steve, whose children were having a sleepover at her house, in a, in a real state to tell him what was happening. Steve too raced around and he just described the horrific scenes that confronted him at his sister's home. Liam was on the floor quite badly burnt. I went to speak to him but got told not to touch him because of his condition. I then went towards the house and that's when I realised how serious it was with all the smoke and flames that were still coming out of the front door. Other witnesses tell of the sheer horror of the scene. One said, I went outside and I saw that the front door of the house was well ablaze. There were loads of people on the street with black, acrid smoke pouring out of the house. The front door was a a ring of fire with black smoke billowing out and the heat was just so intense while the fire raged. A neighbour assisted Liam and when asked if he knew what had happened, Liam replied, arson and mumbled, petrol. Liam added, she's going to burn it, going to burn it down. Paramedic John Owen asked the neighbour to speak to Liam so he could hear what he was saying about the fire and how it started. He put his head close to Liam and heard him say, She shouted through the letterbox, I'm going to burn your house down. He asked if he recognised the voice and knew who she was. Liam replied, Yes, it's Mel from the downstairs flat. Tragically, 20-year-old Leanna Shears died at the scene of the fire along with her nephew Bailey, aged just four, and her niece Skye, who was aged just two. Firefighters managed to rescue Leanna's 15-month-old son Charlie and the father Liam, 23, from the first floor flat, but they both died later in hospital. Melanie Smith was charged with five counts of murder. Her trial took place at Mole Crown Court and she pleaded not guilty to all charges. At the trial... Ian Murphy, for the prosecution, explained that the fire was caused by Smith setting fire to Charlie's pushchair in the walkway. This pushchair and the items left on top of it were deliberately ignited with a naked flame, a lighter, he said. A devastating fire developed, rushing up the stairs to the flat above and killing all of those inside. Fire from the pushchair attacked the nearby electricity meter cupboard. The power supply would have shut down instantly and those trapped were plunged into a terrifying pitch darkness. He told the jury that on the night of the fire, Smith carried out this terrible and wicked deed because she was drunk and angry, disillusioned with her boyfriend, very unhappy in her flat, and jealous of the woman who lived upstairs. Hearing the couple making love could well have been the final straw for Smith. Murphy also accused Smith of using her boyfriend Clarkson to establish a false alibi. He said that Smith got into bed with Clarkson after setting fire to the pram so she could then pretend to be a victim, seemingly escaping from a window rather than just leaving via the door, adding, it was deliberately started by you and you in effect stage managed your exit from the property. During the trial, Smith denied the allegations and said that the 21 witnesses in the case who said they'd heard her making threats to burn down people's houses, they were all lying. Smith denied ever setting fire to anything or making any threats, adding, I would never burn anyone. You've got to be pretty sick and crazy and beyond evil to do something like this. 
Smith also said she didn't ever suspect her boyfriend of having an affair with Liana, and she also denied having a problem with the pushchair being left in the communal hallway. Murphy then asked her if she thought all the witnesses in the case were lying, and she responded, yeah, they are. Everybody wants justice, and they're all looking at me, and I'm innocent. I've done nothing. In police interviews played to the court, Smith repeatedly said she was not an arsonist and definitely not a murderer, offering to take a lie detector to prove her innocence. The jury did not believe Smith, and it took 15 hours to return with a majority 10-2 verdict, finding Smith guilty on five counts of murder and one of threatening to destroy or damage property by fire. Smith wept as the sentence was passed by the judge, Mr Justice John Griffiths Williams, who called her actions exceptional wickedness, almost unparalleled in its consequences. Passing sentence on Smith of five life terms, one for each of the murders, the judge said that the root cause of Smith's offending was hatred of another woman, Samantha Schofield. She was motivated by jealousy due to her faltering relationship with Stephen Clarkson, whom she claimed had cheated on her with Miss Schofield. That hatred, which was all the more intense because of your drink problem, took over your life, said the judge. My belief is that at that moment you were probably a very sad woman and it was the sound of Liana and Liam's lovemaking from the flat above that overwhelmed you. Bitterly resentful of their happiness, you went outside and set fire to the pushchair. Liana's parents, although pleased with the outcome, remained dignified after the sentence, even saying how sorry they felt for Smith's family. Steve Allen, Liana's brother, and his partner had to cope with losing two children. He told how he and his partner have tried to explain to their seven-year-old son, Kai, about the deaths of his siblings. We explained to him the day after roughly what had happened, but not the seriousness that somebody had actually started it. But now we've had to tell him the truth because the kids at school are telling him things. And what about Smith's boyfriend Clarkson, the Lothario of the roving eye? He maintained that Smith was in bed, in his arms at the time of the fire, and completely innocent of all charges. Afterwards, he told the media he'd always loved Melanie Smith, and he planned to marry her in jail. Shortly afterwards, it seemed he had once again moved on, as Sam Schofield felt compelled to take out a harassment order against him, to stop him pursuing her, and to ban him from approaching her. There is one last chapter to this case. Landlord and fireman Jay Liprot, who, as you recall, was one of the first at the scene of the fire, he was charged with five charges of manslaughter. He accepted that his failings as a landlord had exposed his tenants to the risk of death or serious injury in the event of a fire. And despite having a portfolio of 11 properties in the Bristatin area and classing a landlord as his main occupation, he failed to ensure the property was safe. His trial heard how the installation of a fire door costing just £250 would have been the difference between life and death allowing protection for 30 minutes. Instead, a woefully inadequate door made of glass and thin wood failed to act as a barrier and it catastrophically funnelled heat and smoke upwards like a chimney. The ferocity of the flames was intensified by oxygen entering the hallway, creating what is known as a flashover, blasting the glass out of the skylight at the top of the stairs. After legal discussion more suitable for another podcast, Lipcott eventually pleaded guilty to a new indictment 
of failing to take the required safety precautions that would have prevented the deaths. He was sentenced to 15 months in prison. As we've heard today, Melanie Smith finally made true on her threats of arson after making numerous threats to set properties on fire. Five young lives were lost due to her apparent jealousy and unhappiness in her relationship. You can't help but wonder if there weren't times action should have been taken after her threats, especially the the serious ones towards Sam Schofield. But then again, she was a disillusioned alcoholic who was always making threats and she'd never yet taken any action. Most of all, however, what, what stays with us from this case is just the, the fear felt by Liana and Liam as the raging fire surrounded them as they made their desperate phone calls as they struggled to leave their flat. I don't think any of us can quite understand the sheer terror they must have experienced in their final minutes. Thank you for listening to this weekly podcast. Please join us again next week. Until then, bye for now. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully, it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.